Thank you, Chuck. Whoa, tell your neighbor the king is in the field. Now tell your neighbor, happy Elul. Because Elul is a happy month. It's one of my favorite months. So uh, here we are at the, at the beginning of a new Hebrew month, and we want to understand the season that we're going into. And so this is our first fruit celebration for Elul in 2023, and the message is experiencing God's season of favor, bringing your, the king into your field in the month of Elul. So, welcome to our first fruit celebration for the Hebrew month of Elul. For the ancient Jews, Elul was the sixth month of God's yearly calendar. The first month was Nisan, that's the month of the spring feasts, Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruits. Then in the third month, we have Pentecost. In the seventh month, we have the fall feast, tabernacles, day of atonement, and trumpets. But just before we get there, we have the month of Elul. And that's where we are right now in our calendar. Elul usually begins in August and spills over into September. And for the Jews, Elul is a very special month. You know, the word Elul forms an interesting acrostic. Because there's a phrase in the Song of Solomon that says, I am my beloved, and my beloved is mine. And in Hebrew, the first letter of each word in that phrase spells out the name of this month. It's Elul. And see, that's what Elul is all about. It's a month to be with God in a special way. It's a time of special intimacy with God. And you know, that's especially important in this season that we're living in right now. If you're with us at the Starting the Year Off Right conference, you'll remember that we are in a prophetic season pictured by the letter Pei. Now, Hebrew letters don't, were, didn't re just represent sounds, they were originally pictures, and each letter has its own meaning, and Pei was the picture of a face. So the, actually the word for face is panim, which is a pay word. And one of the most important words in the Bible. Because in Hebrew, your face represents you. To do something before your face meant to do it in your presence. And God's face also represents God's presence. Second Chronicles 16 and Psalm 105 both say, seek God's face continually. That means seek to be in God's presence. You know, God is always present, but when the Bible talks about God's presence, it means his manifest presence. And God's manifest presence is when God reveals himself at a given time and place in a tangible way that you can experience with your senses. It's like suddenly, oh, God is here. Now, when God tells us to seek his face, he's urging us to make a conscious choice to make it a priority in our lives to daily experience God's presence. See, God wants you to seek his face. 
He wants to be face to face with you as, as Adam and Eve fellowship with God face to face in the garden. God wants you to desire to be in his presence. And see, when you seek God's face, he meets with you and you experience his blessing. And see, that's God's goal for you in the month of Elul. Uh, in the month of Elul, God is looking for a heart that seeks after him. God desires that. Uh, in Deuteronomy 4, it says, search for the Lord with all your heart. Deuteronomy 6, love the Lord with all your heart. First Kings 8, let your heart be wholly devoted to the Lord. And I love Jeremiah 30, 20, verse 21. And God is still asking this question. Who, is, who are the ones who will devote themselves to be close to me? And God wants you to say, yeah, Lord, Lord, let that be me. But then he makes this incredible promise. In 2 Chronicles 16, he says, the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. See, seeking the Lord brings favor. And so if this is the month to say, I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine, that's why Elul is known as a month of God's favor. Now the Jews also say Elul is the month when the king is in the field. What does that mean? Well, usually a king is a hard person to get to see. Most of the year, the king lives in a palace. He's protected by guards and by iron gates. To have an audience with the king, you have to make an appointment. You have to learn palace protocol. You have to be dressed correctly. And you're ushered into impressive buildings. And then when you enter the throne room, you feel intimidated because you know you have to be very careful what you say and what you do because the king is on his throne. But one month every year, the king would leave his palace and go out among his people. And he'd set up a tent in a field near the town and everybody that wanted to see him were welcomed. And the announcement was made, the king is in the field. And see, that's what this month is. God is in the field this month. This is a time when God is very accessible. You don't need to climb up to the heavens to get his attention. You don't need to make him great promises. You don't need to follow some religious protocol or ritual. You only need to make the effort to seek him. Now, what is the field? The field is where you work. It's where you live. It's your daily life. You know, usually we come to God in his palace. When we come to church, we're entering an angelic realm. We're breathing the atmosphere of heaven. A lot of times you just sense the presence of God around you, even as you walk in. It's a very spiritual place. But in a lull, God wants to come down where you live. He wants to surprise you with his presence. He comes to remind you that he wants to manifest himself 
in your home, your office, your classroom, your shop, your workplace. He wants to meet with you in the everyday affairs of life. Now, the greatest example of the king coming into the field, of course, is Jesus. Lowell is a picture of the earthly ministry of Jesus. John 1.14 says, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The word dwelling there literally means his tent, his tabernacle. So the king of the universe left his palace and came and pitched his tent among us. And he lived here on our field in a tent of mortal flesh. And for 33 years, the king was in the field. He was God made accessible. You could easily come to him with a question or a request and you would receive what you needed. He came to manifest God's goodness and love and righteousness. He came to heal, he came to deliver. And he came to draw us into an intimate relationship with God. And see, that's what it looks like when the king is in the field. And see, Jesus is always in your field. But God wants you to know the king is in your field in a special way this month. So if the king is in your field this month, how does he want you to respond? Well, he wants you to run to him. Because the king is here. God has come down to us. So go to him. Draw close to him. Uh, give yourself totally to him. And say, I am my beloved's. And my beloved is mine. But you know, there's a second thing God desires to do this month. He wants you to know he is in your field. He's accessible to you. He wants to be accessible to you, but... He also wants to reveal himself through you to everyone in your field. He wants to make his presence known to everybody you're around. He wants to, wants to reveal his love in your workplace, your classroom, your office, your shop. He wants everyone in your field to experience him, to know his favor and his goodness. Because see, for too long the church has tried to keep God locked up in a religious box. We've thought God was only interested in what happens in church. Now it's wonderful to be with God in church and to experience his presence, but it's also important to be with God during the week to let him manifest himself in your workplace. Now what does it mean to have God manifest himself at work? Does it mean your coworkers all get saved and healed and baptized in the Holy Spirit? Well, that's certainly the ultimate goal. But God manifesting himself in your workplace means more than that. It means that God wants to reveal his power and presence in ways that matter in your workplace. My favorite example of that is Peter. You know, Peter was a fisherman. That was his business. He was in the fishing business. People depended on the men in Peter's boat to catch fish. So how did Jesus reveal himself to Peter? He revealed himself to Peter by bringing in an incredible supernatural catch of fish. Lord, do it. What was Jesus doing? 
he was invading Peter's workplace. When Peter saw the blessing Jesus had brought to his business, he was so overwhelmed, he was ready to drop everything and follow Jesus. See, the king had showed up in Peter's field. The king is in your field means that your presence at your workplace should make a difference. Because the king is in you. And so he is present wherever you are. And Jesus wants to show up. Let me say this, say this carefully. Jesus wants to show up in your field dressed as you. Tell your, tell your neighbor, Jesus wants to show up in your field dressed as you. He wants his goodness to be expressed through you. As he reveals himself through you, your boss, your employees, your co-workers should all be blessed because of your relationship with the king. You know, there's a lot of examples of that in the Bible. One example is Joseph. Now, Joseph was sold into slavery. He was a slave in Potiphar's house. That's not a field he would have chosen to be in, but that's where he was. But we're told Potiphar saw that the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in everything he did. And so he put him in charge of his household and everything he owned. And from the time he put Joseph in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed Potiphar's household. Who would have thought God wanted to bless Potiphar? But see, the blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. Potiphar was blessed because Joseph walked with God. It says, so Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything but the food he ate. What had happened? Potiphar saw that everything Joseph touched prospered. And he concluded, the Lord is with him. So here is a pagan Egyptian acknowledging the presence and blessing of Joseph's God. The king was in Joseph's field. But then Joseph was falsely accused and thrown into prison. But guess what? The king was in that field too. While Joseph was in prison, the Lord was with him and granted him favor. It says, so the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. And the warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. See, the warden saw that his job was easier because Joseph walked in the favor of God. The king was still in Joseph's field. But there are other examples in the Bible. Nehemiah, he was a cupbearer to the king. You know what that meant? Whenever the king got thirsty, they'd first pour some for Joseph to drink and watch to make sure he didn't fall over dead. And when, when, when Nehemiah took the drink, and he did okay, then the king had some. Nehemiah was a cupbearer, but he had such wisdom and favor. 
he became one of the king's most trusted advisors. He was so respected and valued, the king gave him everything he asked for. Because the king was in Nehemiah's field. Then there's Daniel. Daniel had such wisdom and revelation, he rose to the top of the government in two Gentile world empires, and he introduced a pagan king to the true God. See, the king was in Daniel's field. And the king wants to be in your field. So how does the king get in your field? Well, how did the ark get into the temple? The Levites carried it. They were bearers of God's glory. And see, that's what you are. You are a bearer of the glory of God. God calls you to be like Joseph and be like Daniel. He calls you to carry the king into your workplace so everybody can experience God's goodness. The king wants to be in your field. And when you go to work tomorrow morning, God wants you to be like the Levites carrying the ark. You are carrying King Jesus, Jesus into your field. Because the king is living in you and Jesus wants to manifest his character, his nature, and his power through you in your field. What does that mean? Does it mean acting all religious and making sure everybody sees that you read the Bible on your lunch break? No. How do you carry the king into your field? I'd like to suggest five things. First of all, you take the attitude of a servant. You know, that's what Jesus did. Although he existed in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. That's what Joseph did. Joseph was the favorite son of a wealthy patriarch, but he humbled himself to be a good servant to Potiphar. And see, that's what God asked us to do. Jesus said, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. And see, that was Jesus' heart. Jesus wants to manifest his servant's heart through you. Your attitude when you show up at work should not be, well, what spotlight should I stand under today? But how can I serve you? You know, one of Chuck's favorite sayings, Jesus, just here to serve. And you know, that, that's what he does. When you take the attitude of a servant, you are manifesting Jesus in your field. Second way to manifest Jesus in your field is to seek to be a blessing. See, God calls you to be a blessing wherever you are. Joseph was promoted because he brought the blessing of God into Potiphar's house. Genesis 39, God blessed the household of the Egyptian. You know, Potiphar was not a great guy, but God wanted to bless him. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had. Joseph's presence caused Potiphar to prosper. Do you realize everyone you know would just love to find someone who would help them to prosper? And if they find someone that will help them to prosper, they're going to put a high value on you. 
Because it's a key biblical principle. When you bless others, you are blessed. God put you in your job to release his blessing there. So pray for God's blessing on your field. And be a blessing to other people in your field. You know, sometimes Christian employees are not a blessing. Some Christians are a curse to their employer. They criticize, they speak negatively, they murmur and they complain. They don't do a good job. They make their employer's job more difficult and then they wonder why promotion doesn't come. You know, I've talked to Christian employers and say so they usually try to make a point to not hire Christians because a Christian employee will always try to take advantage of them, express special treatment. Be super critical. God's command is to be a blessing. So how do you release God's blessing? Well, you're, you're diligent. Be productive. Do what you're asked to do. Give attention to details. Strive to do a good job in everything. Seek your employer's success above your own. And see, when you convince your employer that you can help him achieve his goals, you become a blessing to him. Third way to reveal Jesus in your field is to be faithful. See, faithfulness is important to Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 4, it says, Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. Faithfulness means you have kept faith with your employer. It means you've done everything you were hired to do and you've done it well. And see, it's important to Jesus that his people are known for faithfulness. See, God is not looking to see how much ability you have. He's looking to see how faithful you have been with what he gave you. There's a saying I've heard many times, God has not called us to be spectacular. Only faithful. And Jesus made a promise. He said, if you are faithful, you need to know faithfulness is always rewarded because God will make sure it's rewarded. In Matthew 25, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. I will promote you. So enter into the joy of your master. So manifesting Jesus in your field involves being a servant, being a blessing, and being faithful. But to really bring Jesus into your field, there are two more things you need to do, and these are things you can ask God for. First of all, ask God for wisdom. What is wisdom? Wisdom is a supernatural insight to solve problems. It's the ability to choose the best for many options. It's the ability to see options that no one else sees. You know, the Hebrew word for wisdom is hachma. Everybody say hachma. Hachma literally means creative skill. The first person in the Bible that we're told was filled with the Holy Spirit was a man named Bezalel in Exodus 31. 
Bezalel was filled with the Spirit, but he wasn't an evangelist. He was not a healer. He was a craftsman. Because the time had come to build the tabernacle where God would manifest his presence in the earth. And it had to be built exactly like the heavenly pattern. And it had to be a place of beauty. But who had the skill to do that? Well, God had a solution. Exodus 31 says, The Lord spoke to Moses, See, I have called Bezalel, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God. Bezalel was Spirit-filled back in the Old Testament. But God did not fill him with the Holy Spirit so he could prophesy or speak in tongues or heal multitudes. We're told the Holy Spirit gave Bezalel Chachmah, wisdom, skill, to make artistic designs for work in gold and silver and bronze. See, hachma is the ability to take the raw materials that life has given you and skillfully weave them together so your life becomes a thing of beauty. Now, we're going to get this. We're not going any further till we get this because everybody wants to be a miracle worker. They want to be a healer. They want to prophesy. He was the first one filled in the spirit. And in the book of Daniel, these are the people that will survive in latter days. Put your hand on somebody and say, Hachma. Hachma. Now I'm telling you, this is important. It's important. You might have what causes us to survive in days ahead. Amen. Let me just say that one more time. Hachma is the ability to take the raw materials life has given you and skillfully weave them together so your life becomes a thing of beauty. Walking in wisdom allows you to overcome obstacles, achieve success, and fulfill your destiny in the earth. Now, how does God's wisdom come? Well, the Bible tells us. It comes, first of all, by fearing the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Next, it comes as a spiritual gift. There's a spiritual gift of wisdom the Holy Spirit can impart to you. Wisdom comes by desiring correction and counsel. It comes by submitting to your authorities. It comes through the word of God, especially the book of Proverbs. You know, the book of Proverbs promises that if you read and meditate the book of Proverbs, you'll get wisdom. And then Proverbs tells us what the rewards of wisdom are. It says, blessed is the man who finds wisdom, for she is more profitable than silver, yields better returns than gold, she is more precious than rubies. Turn your ear to wisdom. Call out for it. Search for it as hidden treasure. Then you will find favor and a good name. Wisdom will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. Now see, Solomon asked God for wisdom and God granted his request. And God makes you the same offer. James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, and it will be given to him. So ask God to give you wisdom in your field. One more thing. 
Ask God for creativity. You know, God is infinitely creative, and he wants to give creativity to you. Somebody said, one, one new idea can make you rich. Creativity. If you can release the creativity of God into your situation, you can prosper wherever you go. You know, every workplace has problems and obstacles blocking success. But if you can release God's creativity, every problem can be solved. And that's how God's people begin to be the head and not the tail. Because if you, you get a reputation for wisdom, people are going to come and say, so what do we do about this? And what do we do about that? And the result, the glory of the king is manifested in your field. See, you have at your disposal a resource that the world does not have. You have the creativity of God. You know, you look at the things man creates, and everything man creates tends to be simple and repetitive. But think about the things God makes. God's work is infinitely fresh and creative and beautiful. God always has something new, something we would never have imagined. That's the creativity of God. And as we seek God, he can impart his creativity to us. So draw close to God this month and ask him to release his infinite creativity to you. You see, it's part of God's grace that he wants all men and women to experience his blessing. I mean, but in his grace, he wants everybody to prosper. I mean, if he could choose to release his blessing on a pagan like Potiphar, there's no one he doesn't really want to bless. He wants to tear down Satan's strategies of poverty and sickness wherever they are. And see, so you can allow him to do that through you in your field. So pray that your boss would be more successful because you're his employee. Pray that your coworkers would be blessed because you are working there with them. Pray that people would look at you the way they looked at Joseph and Nehemiah and Daniel and say, oh my, I think God is with her. God is with him. What that means is they're seeing the glory of God upon you. And the result is they're going to want to say, I don't know what you have, but I want what you have. That's being salt of the earth. It's making people hungry to know the true God. You become a bearer of his glory, and you have brought the king into your field. See, you are the tabernacle where he established his glory in your field. So draw near to him, allow him to manifest himself through you. So how does the king get to, into your field? You carry him in by being a servant, by being a blessing, by being faithful, by receiving his wisdom and displaying his creativity. And as you do that, the glory of the king is established and the king is in the field. And that's what it looks like when the king is in your field. And the king wants to come into your field this month. 
Let me say it again. King Jesus wants to show up in your field this month dressed as you. That's awesome. He wants to release his blessing to everyone there. So bring the king into your field this month. In the month of Elul, run to him, draw close to him, give yourself totally to him, and then reveal his love and his goodness to everybody around you. And if you will go to him in his tent this month, he will show himself strong for you. So draw near to him, receive his strength, get everything you will need to triumph in the days ahead. It is time to welcome the month of Elul because the king is in the field this month. Wow. Woo, let's stand up. Put your hand on somebody. Now, I want you to pray for them. I want you to decree that they will allow their tabernacle to be filled. And that they'll move right out into their new field. Carrying the king. Now, Bezalel means under the shadow of God. I want you to decree over someone that the shadow of God is going to rest over them and give them new insights. Now, I send you out into whatever field you go into, and the king is in the field. 